Welcome, baseball fans. It's time once again for the Running the Bases podcast. I'm Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Uh, we have uh, a big topic to get to today about uh, Cuban baseball, baseball in Cuba and Cuban players. Um, but before that, out of the box, uh, we had the international draft. I did not get to follow this too closely, but the Braves made a big haul. Well, they got Maton, the guy that they were rumored to be uh, the number one prospect in the international draft another shortstop but uh, yeah we have uh... <laughs> but apparently they he i mean I, I saw some films this guy this guy looks like jason hayward i mean uh tremendous i mean he's five tools they you know it looks like you can't see somebody like that being short i mean uh that'd be like a rod uh and the idea know, is to move him to third yeah well a lot of people are saying that now but they I, and he's only 16 but he's huge uh, yeah. The Braves made a good haul. They got five of the top 30 players in the international or the, uh, the top 30 prospects in the international draft. Yeah. Uh, they they got a catcher that's real high up on the list. Thank <laughs> the good Lord. Because right. certainly we're in, I saw uh, a stat from the very same Fort Bragg game that we were just talking about um, that uh, Tyler Flowers is uh, two for 25 <laughs> on throwing out runners. Yeah. That's not going to get it done. Um, but the international draft complicated rules, but this is the last year that a team like the Braves is going to be able to make such a haul, right? Apparently, we think that it's going to be changed with the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, we went up this year. I mean, the Padres got six of the top 30. They didn't right. get, uh, we still had supposedly a higher signing to this. Uh, the Phillies got a lot of players. I think those three teams got half of the top 30 players. And that's because teams like the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Yankees and these teams who normally bid a lot on these players couldn't bid at all this year over about a $300,000 per player uh, per diem or what. I don't know how uh, exactly what you would call it. It's not a per diem, but uh, they, they're limited because they've gone over in uh, the previous year. Right. Yeah. It's now, like, the Braves would not be able to invest that much in next year, but there apparently isn't going to be this sort of uh, draft next year. Right. Yeah. You trying to find for me trying to find the exact this is how you determine how many picks you have. And right. It's a stipend, perhaps. Is that, you know, the, oh, no, the one time as many payment as they that, can. They, they're allowed. I mean, uh, both that, the Padres and the Braves have been trading people in the last couple of years for international money to be right. able to use in this draft. Now, they still go over, uh, which makes me wonder why did they need to get this money to begin with if they're going to go over. Right. Uh, but they're bidding wars against each other. This is not like a draft. This is like, woohoo, let's go get them. You know, more like uh, an auction? Well, <laughs> more like it used to be. Bonus babies and things You know, from the early 50s and whatnot. Right, which I didn't realize that that's how Roberto Clemente ended up on the Pirates. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right, yeah, your favorite player, one of mine. Um, all right, so a lot of the teams you just mentioned in said international draft um, are not doing so well uh, this present season and over the last few seasons, hence why they have so many draft picks. But across the board... They weren't draft picks. It was money, international monies. They're not picks. Well, why do they call it a draft then? Uh, Just for the sake of marketing, I guess I, yeah. I'm not certain. I'm not certain. I mean, because their players still aren't signed, and we don't know if they will sign. And they they could be bidding against other clubs. It's it's a bizarre situation. Clearly, well, then I'm now instantly thankful that the new CBA will hopefully <laughs> clean this up because I'm confused to say the there, least. There, I I can't imagine that 
teams like the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Yankees and these teams like being in a position where they can't, they're not competitive with other clubs. Right. Yeah, and I, I, the, the, the lone element that I am aware of is that you have a budget, right. and once you spend it, you, you have to wait for it for for it to like uh, clear out. Another year, or, yeah. and you have to go over that budget to sign these people. Braves right. signed. I mean, it was a big news. Uh, a couple of their players they signed for a lot of money over the the bracket, you know, and everything to get them. Mayton being one. Yeah, uh, who is from Cuba? Right, right. Um, well, so. We'll see how it shakes out, but you know, I, as a Braves fan, I'm glad we got. Yeah, <laughs> we did so well in the bidding pro- process in this not a draft. So, however, you know, I I still they're 16 years old. You know, uh, yeah, it's you know, hold your breath. Yeah, exactly. A couple of other things out of the box. Um, this is a big issue this year: attendance uh, down across the board. Um, for you personally, what do, what do you see as the main reason why and, and, and why is this so alarming? Um, why? Everybody's always at this point of the year is going to point to weather, you know, being right. a problem in certain places. Uh, but we only have nine teams that are up. and From uh, last year. From last year. Nine uh, teams with their attendance being better average. Yes. And, I mean, in some of those, uh, Toronto and um, – the the Cubs, you know, the, uh, this is to be expected. Um, but Houston, yeah, uh, Houston. Uh, the there are a couple that are. I'm not certain why it, it may very well be. Uh, I mean, the Angels and Toronto uh, and Tampa Bay. They're both up. Uh, I mean, we look at Tampa Bay and Oakland. We we figure their attendance isn't going to be good. Right. We but, pencil that in. But Cleveland has been. They've been 29th for like three years in a row, and their attendance is down. Not by much, but it's still down. Uh, we can look at Oakland and Tampa Bay and say that they're bottom dwellers. That perennially, uh, right? And they they don't have ballparks, uh, you know, uh, progressive ballparks. But Cleveland has has just refurbished a you know a wonderful ballpark. They have an exciting young, talented team, and they can't draw anybody. Yeah, they're in first place and had a 14-game winning streak. And uh, their attendance is down. Uh, I mean, this is um, – and now, granted, during this 14-game winning streak, it did go up some. I mean, Right, you know, I was going to say that for in the yeah. case of Cleveland, considering the finals just concluded and the – you know, all of the state being consumed probably with the the basketball run, that it maybe by the end of the year – Don't explain will be why up, they were so. in 29th place last year. Or the year before that. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, the – uh, Baltimore is a team that is going down every year. I mean, they, they're down over 3,000, over 3,500 people uh, a game this year. Another first-place team. Uh, right. and uh, Division winner in, in, in 20 – no, the, the well, the playoff run in 2014. Right. They're, I mean, they are uh, an exciting young team that's good for the community, but they continue to decline. Uh the, uh, in the case of Baltimore, like specifically this year, would you attribute how last year with all the civic unrest and the rioting going on that maybe the city, the good citizens of Baltimore just don't feel safe at a downtown ballpark? I, I don't want to say that. I, I'm not being there. I can't really say that. I, I mean, that's something I think we, you'd have to have a feel for. I don't want to say that. Uh, I don't want to I say mean, that either. You know, but. It, 
when has anybody ever felt safe going to a game in Detroit? You know, right. uh, so I mean, you know, St. Louis. There's some areas real close to the ballpark that you don't want to be late at night. Yeah, uh, bonfire of the vanities. Uh, the uh, but <laughs> and apparently Atlanta too. Hence why well, they're oh, right. <laughs> they're, well, they're they're tucking tail and headed for Cobb County. Uh, but so I, I I don't know. I there are the game needs to address this declining attendance has got to be. Baseball's number one concern. It's got to be any sports number one concern if your attendance is going down. Right. Uh, and I mean, right now you got to expect Houston and Texas and Toronto. You know, uh, I think Toronto has the biggest increase this year, and the Cubs. You know, uh, but you know there aren't that many teams that are in that position. Even the Cardinals are down. Yeah, that that stopped the presses stuff right there. But I will say about the Cardinals having just been there recently. Their ticket structure is so confusing and convoluted, and it varies game to game. You know, I, I just think that the way that tickets are uh, structured and priced on the primary market does not make it friendly for trying to get a good seat to a ball game through the primary market. As of this time, the Cardinals are down over 2,600 people a game. I don't think there are that many people that are confused as to how to get a ticket. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm just saying. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm throwing out factors yeah. here. All right. All right. Uh, beyond that, though, I, I look at. Uh, I mean, well, I expect the Braves to be down. I mean, and, and this year, and yeah, Cincinnati absolutely. and Philadelphia and these teams, you would expect. Uh, actually, I think Philadelphia is one of the ones that's up. Uh, they are, uh, but I mean, these teams, uh, the Brewers are. You know, they've been abysmal in their attendance recently. Um, well, they, it's not as if. You know, the Cleveland fan base that sold out 455 games in a row, there was no plague that I'm aware of that went through Cleveland and, and wiped out that entire population. So is the disconnect? I mean, this disconnect exists, but we can't be very far from reconnecting it. Same thing in Toronto. You give a winning product and now Toronto is oh, Exactly. That's why I'm up. saying. You do, I mean, you expect Atlanta and Cincinnati and these teams and the Brewers and teams like this that are tanking uh, to their attendance to be down. Uh, and But Cleveland and Baltimore, I mean, there's something else going on in some of these cities where we have teams that are succeeding in new ballparks that shouldn't have with exciting teams, you know, and they're drawing less people, then there's an issue there. Is it? Is it similar to football in the sense that it's better on the product is better on television? And then is it as simple as saying just prices are out of control? I mean, we still are at a a, a precedent where taking a family of four to a baseball game can cause upward cost oh, yeah. upwards of two hundred and fifty dollars. I, I I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. That would. I mean, it's not for me to draw the conclusions. Uh, but I'm I'm looking. I mean, attendance is down in Boston. <laughs> attendance is down in boston that's you know, uh the uh that's I, not a good sign I, I expect it to be down in in new york right now i mean for the yankees it's yeah. way up for the mets you know as again you would expect yankees i think is cost straight up <laughs> right. well well we'll see there's a real exciting team to go watch right now oh no i, absolutely I don't want to go see sabathia throw for three innings no and i don't want to see a rod hit only against left-handers and you know <laughs> and still go you know one for five but whatever right. it is um well it is a big issue to be addressed and you know uh, i don't 
it's kind of shocking to me because the other sports have so priced out their fans that Mm -hmm. you would think baseball would be wise to such things and try and make it more affordable across the board. But we shall see. And then finally, out of the box, and this will take us into our first to third, uh, Jose Reyes has been acquired by the Mets, and the Mets are about to bring him up. He served out his 52-game suspension for the domestic violence incident, and uh, you know he had an unconditional release from Colorado. Um, what's your initial reaction to the Mets bringing him up? I mean, Wilmer Flores is doing quite well, and now he's going to lose at bats to this, you know, hot-headed shortstop. So. I think the Mets going out and getting Reyes was they're throwing in the towel to getting uh, Gurilla uh, Ulyski. Uh, they don't have the resources to go out and pay for a free agent like this a significant impact free agent and this uh, is the player that's batting third on the cuban national team right. and, who i mean who cespedes was all over he wanted there i mean right. and all of the cuban players pretty i mean there have been a lot of flops cuban flops and i guess we'll get to that in a little bit but this guy supposedly is the real deal last year in the cuban league he hit 500 that's pretty 500. good. 500. I don't care what league. I mean, sure, it's the Cuban League. You know, there's some good ball pl- pitchers that are coming from the Cuban League. Uh, I mean, I think his on base was like 584, you know, or something. You know, just uh, these are sick numbers. Uh, now, yeah. you're there are so many reasons not to go after this guy. They they say he's 32. It's probably yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you know, uh, the. Uh, and he hasn't played in the major leagues before, uh, but the uh, the Mets who really need another significant at our significant bat, whose own team is saying go get this guy. They're you know they're not getting this guy for Cespedes to leave at the end of the year. Uh, right, because he mean, has that very bizarre contract. Right. I yeah. mean it, it's a. Uh, I mean this not getting him was significant. And so who do they go get? Another Cuban. Yeah. What do you think the fan reaction will be for Reyes, starting with the hometown? Hometown, always forgive. Yeah. You know. Right. And everywhere else he goes, he'll get booed Dude. profusely. Right. Um, I guess, uh, real quick, do you think he'll be productive? No, I don't think he hadn't been yeah. productive in years. Yeah, yeah agreed. Toronto well, was going to cut him anyway. Right, yeah, and rightfully so. Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as it stands, um, he is the poster child for this uh, uh, wrath. Is that the the rash? The rash of uh, domestic violence incidents happening with uh, baseball players who, by and large, they are Cuban-born, Latin-born. And so that takes us to our first to third, uh, baseball in Cuba. Yeah. Right now in the game, there's this movement to make baseball fun again. And you have these players coming from Cuba, um, and they're meeting with resistance from kind of the old guard. What is your first take on uh, adopting a Cuban style of baseball in America? We'll never adopt a Cuban style of baseball in America. Welcoming or adapting to. (laughs) Uh, uh, Never. Uh, Will we be accepting of certain players that play with a little bit more flash we should i mean you know that i think you you weigh brian harper versus brian bryce. mccann a uh, bryce harper versus brian mccann and we see where allegiances lie in these uh these times uh i grew up playing 
baseball in Tampa with a bunch of Cuban players in these RYL leagues. We we went to I think we went in search of one of those. We, we did. We were down to yeah. And there was an entirely different style. Uh, the even at an early age, when you hit the ball in the outfield, you ran until they got you out. Uh, there right. Was, there was no base. That was like a place you stopped while they turned and went the other way. I mean, there were, I mean, base running was truly an art. Uh, I mean, at an early age, a lot more flash, throwing bats and things. I mean, you know, arms flailing. I, I don't know how to express it, but there was a part of this that where – it was so different from what you saw anywhere else, but it really kind of embraced the aesthetic that is part of what baseball is. It's part of the beauty of the game. It's what separates it from football and hockey and all of these uh, other pseudo sports or pseudo arts. Uh, it's what makes baseball an art. And the Cuban culture seems to embrace this. Uh, sure. And, uh, hopefully that... I mean, as the melting pot of Atlanta or uh, of America, you know, bringing all these different cultures and bringing them together, that should make the MLB better. Now, Cubans have been there forever. You yeah, know? I mean, uh, if you look, if you go into the history of it, their history is as long in years and as rich as baseball in America. Right. It's not like we went and barnstormed in Cuba and they're saying, "Ooh, let's play this uh, as right. you know, on the Pacific Rim and that sort of stuff." Uh, they they've been there. I mean, there were players in the 19th century in the major leagues that were Cuban players, uh, significant players. Um, so I, I think the, the inversion of this Cuban style, it's been around for a long time. It has been criticized for a long time. I mean, Part, I mean, part of the Latin, this Latin culture, this flair, was one of the reasons that Clemente was, you know, uh, uh, abused uh, for quite some time. Yeah, but and thrown at. And... The Cubans, I mean, you, you were talking about the uh, spousal abuse and things that have been put on Chapman and uh, several uh, different Hector people. Hector Oliveira. Uh, Oliveira, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it, we have to look at, these are guys that in the... Cuban Baseball Federation, they make anywhere from $40 to $200 a month. I mean, your Chapmans and people may make $200 a month. And they leave illegally uh, with human smugglers and uh, corrupt agents taking them to another country, to Haiti or somewhere, before they can come into the United States. Uh, they very perilous path uh leaving cuba and uh by small boats and stuff and then suddenly this 40 dollars a month is millions i mean right and they're coming from this third world culture where they uh, they just haven't been exposed i mean it's such a culture shock to them and we we, we laugh at people like cespedes driving up in some new freakish car every day to spring training and stuff but this is something rather than laugh at somebody like this why isn't somebody uh why isn't tony perez setting up a uh commission to help these ball players you know uh adjust to the new culture that they're in well how much responsibility do you place on major league baseball to influence and and guide that 
I don't think Major League Baseball could do it. I think there have to be other Cuban ball players that have played in the past do it. I think the the players, the the Tony Olivas and the the Tony Perezes and even the Palmeros and you know uh, <laughs> right. you know who they should uh, try and be helping out their fellow countrymen. Well, you know the NFL has this because only because their countrymen are going to listen to them. Not that I mean, Major go. League Baseball, uh, you know, can do what they can. But I, you know, is Yasiel Puig? Did he listen to Mattingly? Did he listen to anybody else there? No. Would he have listened to another Cuban? Perhaps. Right. Would well, he listen to Cespedes? Maybe. Well, you look at how the NFL has the rookie symposium and their have you know rookie classes that they're required to take to to adjust to life in the pros and boy has that cleaned up the nfl <laughs> they're a bunch of fine citizens now <laughs> truly, no convictions there ever truly exemplary what 10 times what it is in any other major league sport oh yeah well i mean i mean you know that there's a there's a rabbit hole that we could go down for uh you know the the just the violent the violent aspect but, but in lot- baseball is this something that should be necessary should Manfred at all look at, okay, we need to make sure that these international players coming from these third world countries that have such trouble adjusting, that there has to be a broad, you know, for each team, there has to be this kind of culture, American culture ingratiation or, or uh, acclimation. By the way, something we said earlier, I think Maton is Venezuelan. Oh, uh, I could but, look that up. But, but uh, the... You do have players like who have a specific like Puig has an interpreter. I mean, the superstars have somebody dedi- a a personal assistant dedicated to them while they're with the team while they're. This is a problem that's more that's bigger than Major League Baseball. I mean, we're talking about a culture ninety miles off our coast that is really backwards in a lot of way and abusive in what I mean it is we all know the problems of Cuba and to take a young person unexposed to many things and saying by the way you'll never see your family again you'll never be able to send money home to your parents and you're not Cuban anymore you're you know and then to throw and, and by the way here's 50 grillion dollars go do whatever you want right uh, and we expect them to act like it's, it's well. It hasn't. A, I mean, it's a cultural difference that is a great. It's it's greater than being Dominican. It's greater than being Venezuelan or any of these other cultures. Or, you know, this is something totally different. Well, when you dive into the history of baseball in Cuba, of course, history being the great storyteller. Um, at one point, the you know baseball was nationalized over bullfighting. Bullfighting was you know, because of the Spanish origins of the country itself, that was the nationalized sport. That's what was considered the highest in highest regard. Um, the fact that it became baseball, I believe there could be the inception of this matador mentality when baseball becomes more popular than bullfighting. Uh, and maybe that can but be the seeds South of this. South American ag- bullfighting aggression. is not what Spanish bullfighting is. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. And... I don't want to go and do a whole segment on bullfighting. Right. But, uh, <laughs> the uh, now the kind of godlike presence that some matadors have in a culture that has existed in Cuba. Uh, from what I understand, Orlando Cepeda's father, uh, I mean Chacha's father, I think, who was also Chacha One or something. I don't know, but uh, 
he was treat you know he was like a Picasso. He could go in and just sign his name, and that's all he had to do to pay for anything. You know, right? Uh, the uh, I, I mean, it has existed. I don't think it exists now. I don't think no. you know Abreu is going back to. I mean, and, and we do. Th- I, I think, I mean, much of baseball's popularity now comes, as we know, from Fidel. I mean, he wanted to be a major league ball player, wanted, you know, was in the sure. senator's chain and everything. And he has always really liked baseball and boxing. And so there's no, and, and volleyball. And what, what are the three <laughs> big sports in, I mean, uh, actually, uh, soccer or football is like really increasing in popularity. But it, it runs a distant third to boxing and baseball, yeah. I, I don't know that it does anymore. I think it's, it's up there. I mean, but like mm. in comparison to other Latin American countries, there's, you know, uh, yeah. uh, no comparison. I, I think the problems with, right now that Major League Baseball, we, I mean, we just had Obama just went to Cuba in the last couple of months and goes to a game and he's there with Raul and uh, all this sort of stuff. And they're the head of the... Uh, Baseball Federation in Cuba uh, comes. I mean, comes out with all these statements saying we want all of our players to go play in the major leagues and to make a right. And, and we, all of the players in the Cuban players that are, they totally don't trust this guy. Uh, I mean, what's his name again? Higino uh, uh, Velez. Higino uh, Velez. Uh, you know, he's was saying that it, it's just a shame that. It's different between Dominicans and Haitians and uh, people from the islands and all these people going to the major leagues because a Cuban gives up his dignity, he gives up his 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 life. He's no longer Cuban. He can't come back and see us. He's like saying he's saying like give our federation a lot of money. And, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's part of the thing now, and where Obama and, and Castro are kind of using baseball as a way of kind of uniting. Cuba and the United States uh, stopping this embargo. We do. I mean, Cuba has lessened it, its restrictions. Uh, both Puig and Abreu were uh, came in last year uh, with some other Cuban players on a goodwill tour. This is totally unheard of a couple of years earlier. Sure. So um, some of this is breaking down. But in the meantime, we have 150 players a, a year leaving this island by essentially drug smugglers and traffic uh, human right. trafficking yeah. i mean we we've had uh i mean and people that are have been held up for, you know their their families have been uh held they, hostage yeah, right and right sure. it's just it's, atrocious it, uh yeah and we're not we, we don't like that but we, i don't see any signs on cuba being uh ready to alleviate this problem right yeah. well we should look into the just to the history of baseball in cuba because what we're essentially discussing is there's there's a watershed moment, and that is the revolution. In 1959, 1960, Castro assumes power, because before the 1960s, you had professional leagues in Cuba. And the amateur leagues were always very popular. I mean, they were, they were the, the bloodline of baseball in Cuba. You had these uh, sugar mill leagues, where the factory workers would use baseball they would play on weekends when they weren't working in the sugarcane fields. And that's where the greatest talent came from. And, and that's where the greatest passion for the game was shown. Um, but there were also professional leagues. And then Castro comes into power and he gets rid of the professional leagues. And so now it's per only, se. Per se. And so now it's only amateur leagues. But it's one of the things. Uh, 
Castro makes certain that black and white players play together. Everybody has always looked and, and said, well, Cuba, blacks and whites. Cuba is just as integrated as the United States uh, always has been. They have not been as accepting of uh, the... Uh, you know, just because in their professional leagues they've been able to play together and they were able to play together before it that existed in the United States, that did not mean there was not racism. The first great Cuban player, the first great Latin American player, Dolph Lukey, uh, and his real name was like five, fifteen words long, but uh, right, the Dolph Lukey, which sounds uh, very much like El Duque, one of the most uh, you know heralded it in the, the, yeah. probably the third wave. There have been several waves of Cuban ball players coming right. into, uh, but uh, Dolph Luque pitched. Uh, he won over two hundred games in the major leagues. Is uh, gotten a lot of votes for the Hall of Fame. Uh, he was the first Latin American player in the major leagues, uh, purely Latin American player. Uh, one year, I think in 1918, he was 27 and eight, had a 193. I mean, he's a great pitcher. Pitched in the Black Sox scandal and pitched a couple of games in relief in, uh, you know, the 1919 series. But that's for Cincinnati, right? But yes, he was. Uh, right. He came up as Boston Brave, uh, oh, the uh, but went to Cincinnati right away. Uh, the uh, but supposedly this guy, he was five seven but very pugnacious and everything. He supposedly would never accept insults. Now, while he was blonde and blue-eyed, he was a white Latin American player. Uh, Players would get on him all the time. And he has a very famous incident he had uh, where police had to be brought in and there was like a a riot ensued. But supposedly it was Casey Stingle, who seems to be uh, president at every great moment in uh, Major League history. And or significant. Right. Uh, Stingle supposedly called him a Cuban uh, N-word. And Lukey just runs off from the mound, jumps into the dugout, starts pounding the crap out of Stingle to where both teams start fighting. Bats are brought out. Police are... Game's over. Uh, now, Stingle said it was Bill Nicholson who was sitting next to him that actually said it. Uh, it wasn't him. We don't know. Uh, it's somewhat apocryphal now. But, I mean, it was an incident that really happened. But that's not – Lukey once threw a ball as hard as he could into his own dugout trying to hit somebody that said something. He once chased a player in uh, on his own team with an ice pick all around the clubhouse. Uh, right. This is a volatile young man. And this has been we, – we have seen this volatility – in uh, a lot of Cuban players that have come along the, oh, sure. uh, the line. I mean, and this has been a lot of the criticism. It has a lot to the, into the Abreu and Chapman and Oliver incidents and stuff. Now, is this a cultural thing? I, I think it may have something to do more with the socioeconomic situation that people are coming from than I'm going to say than the... Uh, the culture itself. I mean, that I, I'm not ready to condemn Cuba. You know? Right. The, uh, the hyperbole we want to, right. you know. I, the, I think we're dealing the, with very uh, poorly educated uh, people coming from a backwoods situation, being thrown into situations that they're not familiar with. Nobody would ever deny that Tony Perez and uh, all of, or not all of, um, Tony Oliva and uh, uh, Tion, uh, yeah, Tion. Well, Tion was a little weird. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a little bit out there. You know, when you think of uh, just 
And today, I mean, Jose Fernandez seems like, you know, a very upstanding citizen, you know. I oh, yeah, as far as the current crop. I mean, and I have not heard, uh, uh, I mean... Kendris Morales, have we ever heard anything, you know, coming right. from him, you know. Or, uh, well, you know, back in the early 2000s, you had Contreras. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, I mean, he that was... Uh, right. Such a harrowing story of him trying to get his family out of Cuba as well. Um, but uh, let me say one thing that you were talking about MLB's uh, situation. I mean, there has been a real discussion of uh, where they MLB has considered a moratorium on signing all Cuban players because of the human trafficking problem right sure. now. Uh, MLB recognizes that. Uh, they are creating a perilous situation for a lot of young men. Um, well, there was a, I mean, beyond that, just to jump in, that Puig was having death threats sent out uh, on him by the smugglers that apparently got him into the country. There's a huge article in ESPN, the magazine, or Sports <coughs> Illustrated. That gets down to the fan level that if somebody were to attempt something horrendous, uh, towards Yasiel Puig at Dodger Stadium, well, then every, all the other you know fans and attendants are are in in harm's way. So, right. So uh, this this moratorium has been discussed, but not put up to a vote. I would assume. Well, I mean, you don't want. I don't think it's gotten anywhere close to a vote. I mean, because the argument is ultimately MLB is saving the lives of several of these players. That's know? a good point. So, I mean, that's a two-edged sword. You know, there's always the great hypothetical about what if the uh, baseball color barrier never existed and you had Babe Ruth having to face, uh, you know, a Satchel Paige or or Josh Gibson being able to hit in Major League. How would that change the record books? Um, As far as Cuban ballplayers go, because of the tremendous talent that comes from the nation... um, do you think of that as the untold great what if? Like who some of the best we never saw would have been a Cuban baseball player? Do you think that records for things like stolen bases and average would be radically different if there was Cuban integration throughout the entire 20th century? There's been a lot of it, though. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not I mean, Cubans have not been cut off uh as much as African Americans. I mean, and they're all sorts of history, John McGraw, people bringing up Cuban players and saying they're white, you know, having them try and pass right. for white. Then, Lukey uh, being a right, perfect right. example. Yeah. Well, but Lukey was white. You know, right. I mean, uh, the uh, as were Willie Miranda and several. I mean, you know, there were players throughout time. So were they just had to get off the island. Cepeda's father, now that could have been different. But there uh so... I, I, that that's a hard to say. Well, one of the things that makes Cuba uh, and d- the Dominican and all these places is that it's a year-round sport, you know. Uh, yeah. In that kind of climate, and uh, you know, I, I'm Mike Trout's from New Jersey, isn't he? Yeah. Do you think of New Jersey as a real hotbed for baseball? Is no. it? No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> does that mean that somebody in from New Jersey can't be a ball player? No. Look at Mike right. Trout. There you uh, go. So I, I think to say that Cuban ball players are just they have physical attributes that make them better. I don't think that's true. I think they have a, a culture that where they play it year round, uh, and uh, I don't I don't think you would find. Uh, a lot of Cuban ball players be very good 
as basketball players for, per se, you know, even right. though they may be tremendous athletes. Well, know? that's one of the great things about the Cuban passion for the game. It's because they are so in love with the craft, with the right. tools. You know, it's it's not about the the brute force or the just the the raw physical attributes. It's about how you hone your craft. Um, so to the business at hand, to the dirty business at hand, the teams themselves, these the 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 major league teams. How do they get their hands into this mess? I mean, like to get they, a scout into Cuba to scout a Yasiel Puig or a Royal de Chapman, what does it take to do just that? There isn't any. Uh, that's not happening. But there is, there are movements being made by the United States and Cuba right now to have it uh, where. Cuban ball players can be signed directly by uh, American baseball teams, and this would help break down the embargo. They don't have they they wouldn't have to get some perilous journey to Haiti to be able to come into the United States from there. Uh, this seems to be part of uh, our whole new agreement with uh, uh, with Cuba. But uh, as I say. Cuba, I mean, the United States seems to be a lot more in tune with this than Cuba does. Uh, right. Velez is still saying they give up their dignity when they do this. Right. Uh, and, which is a big thing when you have nothing else. Right. Uh, yeah. And the nationalistic pride of it comes into play because Castro as well says before that, that, you know, he gets rid of the professional leagues because being an athlete in Cuba, particularly a baseball athlete, uh, is to fulfill your responsibility to your country. But all of that kind of, I mean, uh, Cuba is becoming a lot more uh, capitalistic. I mean, you know, you have cab drivers and things in Cuba now and people that right. have restaurants and stuff. Uh, the, uh, so, the, uh, we'll see. But does the approach that baseball takes with Cuba, Cuban players, just let's go back to on the field, um, do we have to make a concerted effort to make the Yasiel Puigs of the world more corporate to to fit in better around here? Or is it I the think, other way? I don't think it can be the other way. I think teams need to do more. I don't think that's an MLB thing. I think it's such a personal thing. Right, uh, yeah. I mean, it's what's so I, odd about, you know, interesting. And about. I do think that there should be uh, that former Cuban players need to help champion uh, their countrymen, uh, and, and maybe that's possible by having other uh, Latin American players champion each other. I mean, I, I remember when during the Big Red Machine, there was always uh, that Johnny Bench kept all the white players in check, and Joe Morgan kept all the black players in check, and Tony Perez kept all of the Hispanic players in check, and they all blended together and went out to eat together, and they, you know, that. Uh, these, th I mean, but they, there was a mentoring thing by each of these people because so many professional athletes are not as culturally advanced as are people of their age. Often they have been put in this cocoon type of existence where they were made heroes at in the eighth grade. And uh, I mean, this is an old story, and it yeah. certainly exists, perhaps, or is magnified in third world countries. Sure. Particularly communist third world countries. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is a true fact. Um, so the issue of domestic violence. Now, 
you think fairly or unfairly that it's being synonymous with a Cuban slash Latin American problem? I mean, are we I just not? He- I, I think that's unfair. I think it is yeah. a socioeconomic problem more than it is. And, and I don't have anything, you know, I don't know what, uh, I don't know what Olivera's past was. You know, I don't know what, you know, what kind of culture he really came from uh, or any of these people. But uh, I think you find this more with people that are uh, not in tune to the progressive changes in today's society. Sure. I mean, the machismo element, certainly, is well, much I, more rampant in, in Latin, Latin America. Right. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not just pulling that out of the you know, thin air. But um, with regards to domestic violence, though, it is now front and center, Jose Reyes as the poster child, if you will. So this violation is worse than PEDs. It's worse than game fixing, violence, period, I'm in. So is this a one strike and you're out? Like, is that where we need to get to with if a, a player gets convicted of battery? Um, and you got to think about how the teams are they're paying big money to these Cuban prospects to come and play for them. The Braves... Uh, it was, are going to take a bath on Oliveira. Sure, sure. Uh, there, gosh, that that's a fine line. I I don't think you can. Uh, when you're talking about spousal abuse, uh, there it's never ever acceptable ever. Period. I mean, I, yeah. Uh, I but spousal abuse is not always male on female, you know, and so. That that's a fine line to draw. But are we? Do I think if if you are convicted of this, then perhaps, uh, I mean, you, you know, if you're convicted in a court of spousal abuse, uh, then that should maybe be one strike and you're out. But Chapman was not convicted. True. You know, I mean, they settled. You know, and so, uh, so what do we throw him out of baseball because of something that uh, you know we've had all sorts of claims made on athletes in the past and that's just a you know uh, of all sorts of things that they haven't always been true right and the conviction would be the like that would be akin to the positive test as far as i'm concerned i I think so but uh and then it but it depends to what degree they're convicted you know of this you know so well yeah i mean no no two cases are the same in any you know transgression against the sport but should there be a, a a minimum? I mean, that is is harsh, you know. I mean, the, the, a year minimum that uh, you're suspended. I think so. I, think so. I mean, uh, <laughs> to sit and try and figure out. Well, yeah, uh, you know, no, I know, I know, and and hence you, this is the moment where I actually have a little empathy or sympathy for like the Roger Goodells of the world, but it's just <laughs> just the smallest, tiniest amount because this is their job and they know all the particulars. We are watching from the general uh, audience. But let's talk about the teams themselves, like the Braves and their current situation with Oliveira or um, with uh, Reyes and and the Rockies, really, not the Mets so much. Um, Should there be, with the CBA coming up, should it be part of the language that uh, domestic violence convictions uh, void the contract? I think they're going to try and address it address this i don't know 
about voiding a contract, that's going to be a tough thing to get the Players Association to agree to, any kind of voiding of contracts. Uh, the uh, Sure. I would think in an instance like this, though, for the greater good of the game, because we certainly do not do everything in our power <laughs> for the general that, baseball population to not go the way of the NFL. But I still think that may be the one. Voiding contracts is a, something I, I can't see the Players Association agreeing to. Uh, the Players Association would much prefer uh, punishing the team than the player uh always uh, <laughs> sure <laughs> uh, in general yes that would that would seem to be a mission statement that they would right. maybe that won't be on page one of their brochure but it, but it will be addressed uh in some way there's so much that's got to be addressed in this new collective agreement uh, well and it's a shame that it overshadows <clears throat> the fact that really it's such an amazing beautiful thing to watch the Cuban style of play in between the lines, you know, the, the you, fun and the joy of it, you know, coming full circle. But you also, but you also saw it self-destruct in like the last, uh, the World Baseball Classic. You see them, uh, they and they have long had a history of this, you know, in the Latin American World Series and things where they, uh, they're just beating everybody and then they just implode. That's yeah. true. So it's not a model that can be sustained fully when you. No, but it is when very you, fun to watch when you bring it into the to the melting pot of baseball. Uh, as far as an international game experience goes, where does seeing a game in Cuba, a a a a, a, a pure amateur league or professional Cuban league game rank for you? Oh, that would be right up there. Right uh, up there. Would you right put it at the top? Over a World Series game. Well, internationally speaking, like over like, a, 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 a Japan League game or seeing a game in the Dominican or... Um, it would be, I, I'm going to say it's, it's going to be right up there. Seeing the Latin American World Series, that you know, wherever that is held, that's kind of a Kentucky Derby type moment. For, yeah, uh, but, I'd have to agree. Uh, but seeing... With the Kentucky a reg- Derby type moment, right. I agree that it would be like that. With a regular season game... You know, uh, insignificant for anything other than just a baseball game. Seeing one in Cuba would be very interesting. Yeah. Oh, you know, but as I say, I mean, I, I just because I'd like to go to Cuba too. That's you know one of the yeah. things. Uh, but uh, the uh, I mean, seeing a game in the Dominican would also be right up there. You know, with me as well. Yeah, but since I grew up with Mister Baseball, I still have Japan just slightly higher. So, but uh, yeah, that's that's okay. You know. That's just me. And I'm weird like that. All right. Well, coming into home, uh, I mean, there's so much coming up with this CBA. Do we, you know, considering all that we've just talked about right now and the attendance and so on and so forth, are we headed towards a strike or a lockout? I don't think so. I don't think so. This will all get worked out? I think so. (laughs) I Uh, certainly hope so. I, uh, one of the things, uh, right now is they've got to, uh, the CBA has got to tweak this instant replay stuff. It is. Oh, yeah. It is becoming very annoying to me. Oh, it's painful. I, I. I mean, I was in favor of it, but man, it's the execution is just so rough. So, right. and mind numbing. Um, and then uh, finally, Clayton Kershaw to the disabled list. Um, it's a blow as a baseball fan that we don't get to see him pitch uh, at the moment. But how do the Dodgers respond, considering how good San Francisco is and how competitive? You know, if that division gets too much further away from them. 
Um, do they need to go and get a Tehran, perhaps, like right now, or can uh, they still wait it out? I think they they're looking to make to be a wild card now. I mean, I don't think there's they've already know, given up on. I don't think they're okay. on catching the Giants. Uh, the uh, I actually think that. The Giants, even though nobody has talked about it, I think they may be the ones that go out and get this Ulysses Guerrilla um, or Guerrilla, the fifty-year, yeah. the fifty-year-old uh, <laughs> right. Cuban uh, superstar, they, because he's an immediate impact type player, and they have enough injuries and stuff where, uh, and they've certainly got the money. No, I, I, the Dodgers have to be very careful with Kershaw. That's just, I mean, that. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and I I would be surprised if they're going to do anything but be very careful with Kershaw. Well, yeah, absolutely. But therein lies the rub. It's like they need to get, what what is the sense of urgency to now have another another big pitcher cuz certainly they have resources. They could go out and make a deal right now. But. It's not like they're counting this is our year. If we don't do it this yep, year. Good point. Uh, you know, they seem to be planning more for a couple of years from now than than this year in particular. So to if, if if their farm system pays off the way it's shaping up to, it's I think it'll be a Dodgers world that we're all just living in. Tehran could bring back a lot. I mean and uh copy saying he wants as much, you know, or more than they got for Miller. Uh but the and the Red Sox have a lot of big name prospects that are uh, and they are in dire need of a pitcher. Oh, yeah. That I mean, pitching if, staff prices just look terrible. If Tehran is going to go anywhere, uh, I think it's going to be Boston. Yeah. And at this point, I'm too numb to care if that does, in fact, happen. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, as always, to everyone watching on the YouTube channel, uh, listening to us on SoundCloud, SoundCloud and on iTunes. You can find everything running the bases at runningthebases.com so follow us on twitter at running the base uh leave your comments like us on facebook let us know what you would like us to talk about or what you totally disagree with we welcome all kinds of uh, comments and feedback so but anyway so for mr coach bounds i am tucker wells this is the running the bases podcast and we are coming into home and we're safe coach you have a good night good night